0: Welcome to Mindlop the hive mind antidote for conservative Christians that want to form their own conclusions. And now your host, Ken Carroll. Objective morality or relative morality? We're going to discuss this on the way to Genesis. Before we get started, I want to give a thank you. We have now breached every continent minus Antarctica, and we have listeners And so I'm really excited to see it. And I'm so grateful for you listening. And I hope that uh, you're enjoying the content and continue to enjoy the content. In the last episode, I wanted to explore the idea of how we make decisions. And also wanted to look at all of the interpretations of evidence. And how when we're presented with an idea, how we make a rash decision based upon those external influences, a limited amount of information, and some inductive reasoning. And so when we look at that and we realize how quickly that we would dismiss or embrace a concept, then it comes to fruition that we start to have to ask ourselves, okay, what do we really trust and what do we not trust, and how much of what we trust is truly grounded in reality, and how much of what we trust is just based upon... tribes in which we choose to listen to so a natural question that we need to piggyback off of that is the idea of morality is there truly an objective morality an objective structure that is beyond the material or is everything subjective is morality relative and so each one of those precepts um, they have they have their own ramifications and they have their own set of questions that we need to ask. And the question that I would say is, well, well, if we can ask those questions and then we can come up with maybe the solution on the path, then what that's going to do in terms of looking at the book of Genesis is going to open up the doors to the idea of an objective morality. One of the options for an objective morality out there And then we can start to ask, well, which objective morality tends to make the most sense within the world that we live in today? Now, the definition of objective morality simply means that outside of the human condition, there exist right and wrong. And right and wrong are objectively true. It's not dependent upon human beings for these things to be good or bad so murder would fit in one bucket and altruism would be in another bucket and that would be true irregardless of the situation now relative morality or subjective morality would be a little bit different what that would mean is somewhere in the natural evolution of humans at some point a social structure developed now the social structure would come along with some rules as it evolved with mankind and what that would mean is that the idea of not killing each other it's not um, objectively true not to kill other people it means that it's a relative concept adopted by ancient human beings in order to sustain life more and give a strategic advantage in in continuing the species. So there's not really a way around that. You can't have materialism and not ultimately fall back on the idea that morals are just an artificial construct. Morality is just as much under the paradigm of atheism and uh, materialism is just as arbitrary as any religion that would be disregarded. So a natural extension to the question is, if prominent atheists are suggesting that we should jettison the idea of religion because it's a false idea, it's a false concept concocted by primitives trying to understand more about the world around us, then the same argument could be made about morality. And if not, I'm not really sure why. After all, it's just some ideas That ancient people came up with in order to sustain themselves and if that's true then by extension what does that say about us today I mean should we still adopt those same moral conditions of an ancient people seems like we've done a good job of keeping the species moving but now have the cards flipped I mean now are we looking at a situation where we have overpopulation If you were to buy into a lot of the uh, numbers being put out, they would say, we're having an overpopulation problem. Now we've got to do the opposite. Natural resources are running out. The environment's getting worse. We're pumping more and more bad stuff out and taking less and less good stuff in. So if that's the case, and murder and the preservation of life and a lot of the concepts that we hold in dear to us, is now counterintuitive to the survival of the species is it realistic for us to hold on to those concepts under a new environment that we're in today and if we should hold on to it then why? if we shouldn't hold on to it how do we escape it? now if we look at prominent atheists we've already explored in some previous episodes words that atheists would use that show that they're permanently influenced by this uh, moral structure that is part of the human experience. You can't escape the idea of you saying that some things are good and some things are bad. And there is an intuitive, there is a understanding of what is good and what is bad. When you talk about the Holocaust, no one misunderstands that and thinks that it was good to commit this mass genocide of a large group of people no one thinks that it's good to poison people or to kill people or to hurt children or to abuse animals no one's confused by these concepts and so if that's true is it permanently ingrained in us in such a way that we can't escape it regardless if it's good or not for human beings and the idea that we've somehow evolved to an enlightened state is absurd from the paradigm of materialism who's to say that evolving to a state to where we're preserving lives that don't preserve the big picture and doesn't preserve the species who's to say that that is the better way to go that that is a an enlightened state and who's to even say that those states even exist or hold merit within the paradigm of evolution So if a materialist were to say we've evolved to a state of getting beyond certain things, who's to say that that's good or bad? I mean, it could be taking us absolutely in the wrong direction. And if people who are aware that these situations exist can't escape it even from their own language or their own life, what they seem to be saying is that we're permanently entangled in a moral structure in which there is no escape. Of course, this would also extend to different cultures. I mean, who's to say that oppressing a group based on their gender or based upon different aspects, who's to say that that's not a good idea? It's not good, it's not bad. It's just something we've adopted. And so for one culture to take some arbitrary definition of what they perceive as good or bad, and then try to throw that onto another group of people who don't agree with it, there's no arbitration, there's no objective standard in which everyone should abide by. It becomes now this, uh, let me bully you, let me push you, let me militarize you, let me put you under subjection until you agree with my Uh, hypothetical what I think is a good moral structure for you to be under. And so is that really where we are? Does that really make sense in the world in which we live today? But just like in the coexist sticker episode I did a few back, what we find is that we tend to create these unnatural ties where we're arbitrarily throwing out certain concepts and then you know keeping other concepts to formulate some disingenuous, um, incoherent moral structure that doesn't fit most worldviews. So as I search around the web and I try to find an answer, it's like every definition of a subjective moral construct. It falls apart I mean if we were to use harm as a basis for a moral structure then it seems like that we're attributing harm as a bad thing and so what we're doing is we're, we're forming a a decision as far as what is good or bad out of the air I mean who's to say that more harm is worse more pain is worse to say this and it's it's ultimately when you boil it down to its bare essentials it is human beings coming up with an idea to define something that exists in the human experience that has no bearing unless it comes from an objective source. Now as humans we don't have to make sense if we don't want to we have the right to subjectively say something is right and something is wrong and we can just make that assessment and make a proclamation and then agree to it and go no further with it now the problem is is that if we do that we are we are accepting the idea that we are completely incoherent with a worldview, which means we can't live it we can't sustain it our very words cannot get us around the idea that certain things are bad and certain things are good. And our own lips condemn us of how hypocritical we are whenever we make a moral assessment unless we ascribe to the idea of an objective source of the morality to begin with. Now this takes us to the idea of an objective moral structure. Objective morality has no basis In any way to materialism. I've never heard a good argument. I've never seen a good argument other than to say this is just something that was concocted by primitives and no one's challenging if it's even still relevant to today's culture if that's the case. I think that's very telling to be honest with you. It's either we can't escape it or it can't be escaped because it's as fundamental as any other uh, law that exists in the human experience the materialist does not make fun of the silliness of the moral construct in which we live they don't make fun of the idea of uh, you know being loyal to someone the ideas of being honest and true versus being deceptive and evil there's nobody that makes fun of these these guidelines and so the the telltale sign of that is that we all accept the idea that there are these objective realities and if we deny it verbally we condemn ourselves in hypocrisy through the way that we live our own words in our own actions whenever something is done to us that is morally unacceptable To us as an individual. Materialism in this respect seems very anemic. I can't seem to figure out how someone could believe in materialism but yet be such a strong advocate for a moral or ethical position on something that really has no objective meaning. Those two things seem to be disconnected and if it falls on a person's personal bias then their personal bias to fight for a certain uh, cause or issue to me is on the same basis as the person who's fighting on the exact opposite end there is no good or there's no bad based upon those uh, concepts and then in the grander scheme of things with materialism uh, which, which one of the causes is more likely going to continue the species versus the other. And sometimes the, the smaller groups may not be in, uh, in alignment with the greater issue of the continuation of the species. An objective moral structure cleans this up. Now, how it cleans it up, is that if there is a moral structure then there is a gold standard for what is right and what is wrong and since that would include the entire human race then certain cultures would be without excuse for imposing uh, a standard that is against that uh, objective moral code And so now we do have a basis to want to enforce or want to encourage people to embrace that code. Now, deviations from the code could be explained through human uh, free will, human perversion, the motivations of mankind for uh, power, money, the list goes on and on and on, even down to simple things such as misinterpretations or misunderstandings of what those moral codes would be. So motivations could have something to do with what the difference is between uh, the, the moral codes that are not part of the moral code but have kind of piggybacked on to the moral standard to add to in ways that it can't sustain itself. And then you have a conflict within those moral standards because it doesn't resonate true for all peoples and all cultures so you got a lot to kind of parse through as you go through this and of course within the confines of biblical scripture there are some challenging passages and oftentimes they are made into a caricature and made into a straw man argument in order to kind of say okay this so you're saying this is a gold standard where X happens and so by extension of that it's kind of ironic because the person who is calling out a what they perceive as a flawed moral judgment of biblical scripture as being uh, immoral or not a good standard to go by is proclaiming an intuitive notion of what that standard should be in thereby placing themselves and their thought on a higher echelon than that of a scripture, in which they have absolutely no basis for that under materialism. And so then the question becomes, where do they get the assessment to judge uh, anything as being a morally inferior or superior argument? Now, with an objective standard, of course, you can measure all things against it. So what I would argue in certain cases, and we'll get into this the more that we go through Scripture, is that we have this standard, and so why do these things not line up with a standard that already exists and that everyone already intuitively understands? And is there a justification for those things that seem in conflict that's reasonable, not an excuse, but if it's reasonable, then we have a rationale to further affirm the scriptures as being true rather than uh, alienate the scriptures or say that they're divorced from an ethical standard which can't be propped up by the worldview of materialism to begin with now of course the only way for you to explore it is to if you take the previous podcast and exploit the lenses and the filters in which you are either accepting or denying uh, certain worldviews, and you bring those really into focus, and you question your filters, and you question your authority figures within your own mind, and really give this an opportunity, then all you're really doing is just looking for a confirmation bias to support all the data that you already accept in your mind anyway. And therefore, you're, you're going down a road that, you know, you've already drawn the conclusion. You're just waiting to find an excuse to reinforce the conclusion which you've already assessed. I believe being aware of those biases before you go into the scriptures and being able to take a look at it is one of the fundamental ways in which you can avoid making those mistakes to begin with. And with that being said, I think that encapsulates the discussion on one of the great impacts as we move into Genesis. And that is that it doesn't just become a matter of picking a religion or convincing someone into a religion or a certain belief system or a certain perspective that has no uh, Contextual groundings within the scriptures. But what it does is it kind of puts in perspective that if we choose the right worldview and if it's the right grounding and it is coherent throughout our lives, then what it could do is open doors that will help us not only understand the human condition better, but also help us. Understand our Creator in a better way. And if all that happens, then it could really make a difference to the individual and the collective. Thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, we are now accepting uh, people that want to jump over to mindlob.com and enter your email address. A little pop up window will come up. Feel free to throw in your email address. And what we'll do is send you graphics and special little tidbits here and there as we come up with them. Thank you again so much for listening. I truly do appreciate this. And I truly do appreciate you allowing me to talk to you about issues that I think we all find important. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit MindLob.com to learn more.